Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Welcome back once again to the Corner of Truth and Courage. This is Tom Wallace. Well, we've started a series of programs uh, talking about the religion of Islam. Why are we doing that here on Christian Radio? Well, we're doing this because we Christians need to be informed, educated, and equipped with the skills to debate this topic of Islam, not with just Muslims, but with those who are uninformed, those who've been drinking the Kool-Aid out there who think Islam is a religion of peace and all roads lead to God and all that type of stuff there. No, we, we as Christians need to earnestly contend for the faith. And we have a challenge on our hands today because Islam, which is now captivated one-fourth of the world's population, and Islam is growing in our nation quickly, uh, largely because of immigration. We better get a hold of that. And then they're also procreating. And instead, uh, we kill our unborn here in the West, and um, Muslims are having about five kids per woman. We've got a task on our hands, and we need to be educated about these issues. And so I'm trying to give you the tools, the answers, and the education, the knowledge, so that you can uh, debate with facts about this religion of Islam. And basically, we've got a religion that was started by a false prophet claiming to be a prophet of God. And we've been looking at his life. We started with his early life and how it all got started and the challenges he had. And then his marriage to Khadija and the influences that came upon him that led him into some spiritual thinking how he has blended ideas of paganism, ideas of a cultish Christianity, ideas of Judaism, and mixed them together in his religion of Islam. And uh, we've been following his life. Yesterday, this is uh, our fourth show on the Prophet Muhammad. And if you missed any of these, you can always go back to our website at fortressoffaith.com and listen to these or download our radio app, Fortress of Faith Radio. And you can re-listen to these old shows and share them with your friends. Yesterday, we were talking about his call, how he thought when he first met this spirit, uh, this jinn, he thought it was a demon and wanted to commit suicide. The text actually tells us he went to the top of the mountain to throw himself off to find peace. What prophet of God ever had that reaction before? Uh, certainly, we don't see that trend in the Bible. Yes, we saw that they were fearful. But um, uh, this man thought it was a demon. It took his wife, Khadija, to do something that we're not going to talk about here on radio to persuade him that it wasn't a demon, but rather an angel. And so we covered his first early years as a prophet. The first 12 years, he gained about 120, 150 followers in Mecca. His uncle dies in the year 622 A.D., who was his protector, and the people of Mecca are tired of his preaching. He preaches monotheism, only one God, when they are polytheists. There are 360 deities that are worshipped there. And they've had enough of him, and they throw him out. And so Muhammad becomes the first Muslim refugee. And he and 120, 150 followers leave Mecca, and they make their way north to a city called Yathrib. Now, later, the name 
of the city is changed to Medina. But uh, uh, he goes to Yathrib because there are Jewish tribes there. Now remember, his demon, his jinn, tells him that his god, Allah Luwilahi, the moon god, is the God of the Jews, the God who made a covenant with the Jews and gave his revelations at first to them and also to the Christians, and now he's giving his revelation to the Arabs through Muhammad. And so he greets these Jewish people with glad tidings, I'm your prophet, and he begins to preach to them his message. Well, it doesn't take them long to realize this is not God's prophet because he's preaching something that's not consistent with the book. And so they reject him, and they throw him out. So now Muhammad has a dilemma. The Arabs don't want him. They've thrown him out. The Jews have rejected him. They don't want him. So nobody wants him. And now all of a sudden, the message that Muhammad starts, uh, the message he preaches changes from this point. Now the year is 622. This is called the Hira. This is the Hira. This is called the uh, the migration, and um, the Islamic calendar starts on this date, and everything changes from this point on. Now, up to this time, for twelve years, Muhammad was teaching stuff that's similar and familiar, somewhat to Christianity and Jews. A lot of the tenets of Christianity, the precepts that we'll find there. He preached those things. So you'll find them in the Quran. But now things change because the Arabs don't want him. The Jews don't want him. Now he gets a new revelation from Allah. Fight them if they believe not. Now prior to that, some of the revelation he had taught, there's no compulsion in religion. No one should be made to believe one way or another. But now he's told if they don't believe you, kill them. They're enemies of Allah and they don't deserve to live. And so... Now he takes up the sword. And from here on out, the passages that are in the Quran, you can tell which ones were written, which ones were delivered when he was in Medina compared to the ones that he had in Mecca. The ones that were delivered to him in Medina are militant. You have bloodshed. You have the sword. You have fighting. In Mecca, you have peaceful passages. Again, passages similar to the biblical teachings. But now things become militant. And so we see a change there. Now, we move to a new area. We've seen Muhammad uh, as a child. We've seen Muhammad coming into adulthood and a tradesman, a merchant, and uh, grows and um, gets into religious studies. He becomes a prophet now we see him as an emperor. From this point on, when he takes up the sword, Muhammad is not just building a religion. He did that for 12 years. The next 10 years, you see him leading as an emperor. And he grows his ideology, his movement, his religion through the threat, through the pain of the sword. If you don't believe, we kill you. And in the next 10 years, Every Jew is killed or banished from Arabia, and they've grown from 120 followers to 10,000 a year. And by Muhammad's death, over 100,000 followers are in Islam. 
So if we were looking at a scale from the year 610 to the year 622, when he started his preaching for 12 years, he only grew to 150 people at the most. In the next 10 years, he grows to 100,000. It's amazing how you can grow your movement with the sword. And so in the year 632, Muhammad now controls as an emperor, as a um, as the supreme leader and ruler of that region. This is why in the Sharia law, the Sharia is a great place for me to demonstrate that Islam is more than just a religion, than it, it than um, that it's also a a government. The first of the codices of the Sharia law, which had been developed about seven hundred years ago, the first three hundred and twenty pages deals with their religion. The next 700 pages deals with their government. And so here we see very clearly that Muhammad was not just building a religion. He was building a kingdom. And we have promises that Muhammad makes to them through, you know, revelation he got from, got from God. That, man, if you die today on the battlefield as we fight these people, these infidels for not following us and for not believing the message... If you die today, you get these rewards, the seven blessings of the shahid, the martyr, the one who dies, killing the kafir, performing jihad, the struggle against evil. Uh, Their sin is forgiven. The moment of their blood is shed. And this is where we get the 72 virgins being promised to them. And the last blessing is that they will also plead for 70 others. So not only do these men who die on the battlefield gain their own salvation and the greatest glory in heaven, they also gained the salvation of 70 other people. Now, there was a problem, though. After a while of all this killing of innocent people, uh, the people had a conscience. And they were like, well, hold on, we got a problem with killing these people. And Muhammad receives word from God. And here's what the Quran says to them in Surah 2, 216. Fighting is prescribed for you. And ye dislike it, but it is possible that ye dislike a thing which is good for you, and that ye love a thing which is bad for you. But Allah knoweth, and ye know not. So the Quran says that fighting is good for you, that it's prescribed for you. Even though you don't like it, even if you don't think it's a good thing to be doing, uh, this is a good thing. You dislike what's good. And that ye love a thing that's not that's bad for you, letting these people live in peace. That's bad. But Allah knows better, and you don't. That's basically what the Quran is telling the Muslim that has a problem with killing innocent people. And so this was the teaching that people were getting. So let's come to the end of Muhammad's life. How did he die? He died in the year 632. He died at the hands of a woman. Her name was Rahana. Now, this is a very shameful thing if you're from the Middle East and um, and you die because you were murdered by a woman. That's um, pretty bad. Not only that, she was a Jewess. Rahana was one of his sex slaves. Muhammad had uh, chopped off her husband's head and claimed her for himself. And uh, many other people on that same day. This is called the Battle of the Ditch. I don't have the time to get into all the details of that. But um, so this is how he gets this Jewess to be his property. And she becomes a concubine, a sex slave. 
And later, he actually marries her, one of the 18 wives that we, now some say as many as 21, um, but 18 to 21, and some have suggested even as high as 28 wives, um, and countless number of concubines. We don't know how many sex slaves he had. We know he had 6,000 slaves. Um, but um, the, he, he dies at the hand of Rahana. She poisons him. And as he is dying, the last chapter is uttered, and it's chapter 9 of the Quran. And in that chapter, this is what I call the great financial solution. Muhammad knows he's dying. They, he now controls all of Arabia. There's nothing left to steal and pillage. And now he sends them after the Christians and the Jews up in Syria. And he tells them in chapter 9, he declares Christians as mushkaroons, as polytheists, um, because we worship three gods, God the Father, God the Son, and Mary. No, I know you said uh, the Holy Spirit, didn't you? No, uh, Muhammad thought that the Trinity was God the Father, God the Son, and Mary. It's apparent, apparent that Muhammad didn't know Christianity very well. And so he declares us as uh, mushkaroon and enemies of the book, and he goes after the Christians in Syria at this time, and he sends them out there. Why? For financial gain to bring them under subjection to pay jizya. And we're going to have to stop here. And tomorrow we'll pick up with this subject of jizya and the rest of the life and teachings of the Prophet Muhammad. Join us again tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.